0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, it was very sad to hear of the passing of actor James Caan. Should be uh, very well known for his role in The Godfather. Probably, unfortunately, more well known for his role in Elf. Not that that's not a great movie, I'm just saying. I might have rolled my eyes a couple times when I heard some elf references. But anyways, uh, moving on to NFL news. This, again, it's a little bit old, but I, I just want to point this out. Odell Beckham was on Twitter bragging about um, the fact that he played the second half of the season with no ACL and won a Super Bowl. I didn't win a Super Bowl, but I've been missing an ACL in my knee for 15, 16 years. So um, I think I'm cooler than Odell Beckham. So I, I, I just, I, I do say that to say that it's maybe not as crazy as you think. Um, it's not like he played with a torn ACL, that's crazy, etc., etc. It's crazy in as far as when you tear your ACL, it hurts like crazy. Hard to walk, etc., etc., lots of swelling. But eventually it just heals, and the muscles around the knee strengthen so that you're not constantly re-injuring and, you know, snapping your knee. I don't know his timeline. I'm sure it happened real fast with rehab. I did not have rehab. I just kept walking on it and re-injuring it. And, you know, doing other things and re-injuring it. But the point is, it's not like dude doesn't have an ACL, he's a freak. I, I, I you, Apparently you don't need one because I have just refused to acknowledge that it's a problem and just have forgotten all about it and have lived my life fine without an ACL in my knee for a long time. So there. Uh, My best friend, Justin Houston, who I have had fingers crossed, would come to the Green Bay Packers twice now. There's always those guys that um, they're basically, they become journeymen. Um, They spend a year here, a year there, and every time they put in their time somewhere, and our free agents, again, I want them here. And then they just never come here. I've, that's never been a thing. I think I need to recognize that if they didn't want him the first time, they're not going to want him when he's a year older and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I wanted Justin Houston to come here back in, what, 2019? They didn't bring him in. Mentioned on the podcast recently, Justin Houston would be probably my top pick if we're going to bring in an, you know a veteran to kind of just be depth. Well, he just signed a one-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens, so he's going to be going there. Interestingly, Baltimore um, also lost out on Zadarius Smith. If you remember, there was a basically a deal in place. He was going to, back to Baltimore, and all that was kind of set. And next thing you know, he's a Minnesota Viking. So in a way, Baltimore thought that Justin Houston was going to be a Zadarius replacement, which is exactly what I was hoping for. But Scratch that one off the list, I guess. I am curious if the Packers are planning on doing something. We're not exactly flush with cash, but we do have more money than we usually do at this time in the season, which is weird considering all that was said about, you know, how we're kind of doomed financially. We had the worst or at least second worst financial situation of anybody. And at the conclusion of basically signing everybody that we needed to sign, we have the seventh best financial situation already. Um, The Saints, for example... When they were in a really tough spot, stayed in a really tough spot for about three straight years, and even now are still the 22nd best situation. So still one of the worst. It's just taken them years and years and years, and they don't even have their quarterback anymore. They're still stuck. The Packers just, you know, I guess it's fixed. And again, this is a better situation than we're usually in. We're usually at this time, 10-ish maybe, and and then you kind of look at it and go, eh, I think we're just gonna stick with that, but. $16.7 million is a decent chunk of change um, for the situation that we're in. And there's certainly wiggle room. There's not a lot of great players out there. I'm just saying, um, if there was anybody, they absolutely could do something. But it also could just come down to kind of seeing what you got. You know, if you get into camp and it's like, well, this is a disaster, maybe we move in that direction. Or just hang on to it until somebody gets hurt, because obviously somebody's going to get hurt. Just saying, I'm just wondering. Sometimes I forget that we might do things, and then I get excited thinking about doing things, and then I remember that there's really nobody any good out there. And then uh, and then we come back to where we were. In other news, it's being reported via The Athletic that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the quote-unquote best receiver during the Chiefs offseason program. I'm going to keep reporting these things just because they're interesting to keep an eye on, um, but it is worth noting that we're talking about Like three total hours of nothingness. Continuing on, it says, Taylor also hyped up MVS's, quote, strong connection, unquote, with Pat Mahomes in June. Translation, this is just one reporter's opinion, but uh, Valdez Scantling did appear to finally be adding different levels to his deep game in Green Bay last season. It is the deep game, of course, where he'll be most needed uh, in Kansas City following Tyreek Hill's departure, but fantasy managers should never say, never say never to MVS, perhaps flirting with wide receiver three relevance in this target needy offense, wide receiver four is much more likely. So the um, this person obviously is a little less optimistic about MVS in general. But it, it does kind of make me wonder a little bit. Um, I think we're going to maybe get some answers about the whole Aaron Rodgers-MVS thing because it just doesn't really make sense that the connection never worked. And I don't know if it's just Rodgers could never figure him out or if MVS was just not i guess consistent but here's the real question you know what maybe i can look this up well i can't look it up uh to the extent that i wanted to but um i guess if we just kind of look at this i'm over at sis here um on target catch percentage and then completion percentage and then just trying to look at the gap between them right because what we're looking at is how often when you throw a good pass do they catch it and then how often did they catch it right so If you look at MVS, he caught 96.2% of the passes that were thrown to him that were accurate. He caught 47.3% of the passes thrown to him. He had the lowest completion percentage of anybody by kind of a lot, but yet he was one of the most reliable receivers when it was a good throw. Um, I think the only guys that were higher... Uh, Randall Cobb was almost tied 96.4 compared to 96.2 and then A.J. Dillon and Mercedes Lewis were at 100 percent those are lower but not super significantly lower A.J. Dillon 37 targets Mercedes 28 Marquez 55 so uh, with A.J. Dillon I mean it's well over half of the amount of targets I I did remove Tyler Davis Dominique Daphne Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor because of the lack of targets all of whom had 100 percent but the point is, that gap is massive. And again, and, and, and granted, it's probably going to be more massive because you're going to have less on-target on, on target passes when you're talking about deep passes. That's true, but we've already gone through that, and I'm not going through it again. You look at deep passes, and um, MVS, the passes to MVS were much less on-target than everybody else. Aaron Rodgers did not have a problem getting the ball to other guys beyond 20, 30, 40 yards consistently and accurately, but he did to MVS. And so the question that I have is, is it a Rodgers issue or is it an MVS issue? The point of that though, because MVS is not on this team anymore, so whatever. But what is going to be interesting is if he blows up over in Kansas City, despite the fact that the lazy narrative is going to be, oh, you guys got rid of a really good player, blah, blah, blah. We know what MVS was here. What's going to be answered though, is was it a Rodgers issue where he just could not, gauge mvs's speed or whatever the situation or was it an mvs issue if mahomes has a similar issue where the percentage that is on target to mvs is really really low we'll learn that it's an mvs issue if it's really high then we'll learn that it was a rogers issue if it was a rogers issue mvs is going to absolutely explode in kansas city and maybe that's the reason he got so much money is because other teams uh, you know the 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 bidding price was really high for him, in my opinion, way too high based on his production in Green Bay. But if it's not a talent issue on MVS's side, if, if NFL coaches, evaluators are looking at the situation saying Rodgers is just throwing bad balls, the guy's open, and he's open consistently, and he's a lethal deep threat, then yeah, $10 million bucks is, a, is is a steal for a guy like MVS, who is a reliable deep threat week after week. So it'll be interesting to track. I mean, I, I hate to root against MVS, but it's obviously going to make me sick if he goes over to Kansas City and is a, um, just a you know 1,200-yard receiving deep threat because Rodgers just could not get him the ball for whatever reason. And we just let him walk. You know, I mean, what a phenomenal pick that would have been in the late rounds of the draft that we had to let go in the midst of a wide receiver emergency because Rodgers couldn't get it done. So again, hate to root against MVS, but I'm absolutely going to root against MVS because I'm rooting against the Chiefs and I'm rooting against uh, having to be sad. (laughs) On the other end of the spectrum, guys that are maybe not panning out quite as much, not really super relevant to us, but I like to keep tabs on these things, especially really early first round picks for perspective's sake. Um, Mekhi Becton, apparently, of the New York Jets, considered one of the best Offensive line prospects to come out in a decade. It's getting bad. He spent uh, quite a bit of time away from the team, which is understandable. I guess his family had a kid or whatever. But he's having a lot of weight issues. He's not getting the weight off, which you know is is an issue of effort. You know, it's an issue of just not doing what you're being asked to do. And so the front office obviously does not want to give up on Mackay Becton. They drafted him. They see him as an elite prospect, and they want him on the field. The coaching staff are just looking at a pile of guys saying, I want the best five guys, and they're not sure if Mackay Becton is one of them. So um, typical Jets stuff, I guess. But as I mentioned, I mean, the the Jets are, it's shocking how bad they are. And every time you look at them and you say, yeah, but they drafted this guy and they drafted this guy and they drafted this guy, you look at it and you look at the coach that they brought in who was just the biggest name in coaching and I don't know how long, and they landed a real stud and he was the... You know, the defensive coordinator of, of the century, and he's going to come in and get this thing going, and the defense took a massive step backwards after he showed up. The team just seems to be crumbling. They can't even work with the super high draft picks that they have. They brought in a quarterback that seemed promising, and the guy can't play. They brought in one of the best offensive line prospects. The guy can't play. He won't play, refusing to play. I mean, it's just an absolute mess. I mean, so if you're looking for perspective, there's a lot of it here. People mad about Jordan Love not working out. How about how about Zach Wilson not working out? The guy that's actually under center, the guy that was drafted um, you know, top of the draft. How about Makai Becton not turning out? You know, you also drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. You brought in Corey Davis, you drafted Elijah Moore, you drafted Denzel Mims. Those are two second-round picks and a big-name free agent wide receiver, and you drafted a quarterback early, and you drafted an elite offensive tackle prospects. How is the offense doing? It's terrible, but not as bad as your defense, which was supposed to be great, because it was kind of decent to begin with. I mean, at least it had some respectability. Then you bring in this elite quarterback defensive guru, and the defense falls apart. You bring in LaMarcus Joyner. You bring in Jordan Whitehead. You've got C.J. Mosley. You draft Quinnen Williams, one of the, you know, again, these are all guys that are considered best in the class. Makai Becton, Quinnen Williams, Zach Wilson. Zach, maybe not by everybody, but they're, the point is these are people where at least somebody out there is saying this is the best person in the entire draft. Denzel Mims, who had all the praise in the world, the greatest, you know, the Packers are stupid for not getting him. What's he doing these days? You want to talk about the Packers front office? Look at the Jets front office. You want to talk about the Packers coaching staff? Look at their coaching staff. You want to talk about the Packers draft picks? About like one out of the last four or five first-round draft picks maybe not panning out? Give me a break. They spend all the money in free agency. They get all the best picks. The team just sucks and the crazy thing is this is a team that does everything that the fans want them to do everything they do is just a massive round of applause they got the coach that everybody said every, that you should get they get all the players that everybody says you should get I mean if they if if the Packers had done what the Jets had done Packer fans would be doing absolute backflips at least up until the point that it doesn't work and then they'd all pretend that oh I didn't say that and you guys are failing you're you're failing me I'm not failing you I was right you guys just don't know how to put it all together Well, now they added Garrett Wilson, they added Sauce Gardner, they added Jermaine Johnson. That's three first-round picks. We'll see how that works out. Sauce Gardner's going to play across from DJ Reed, another guy that they brought in, along with the two safeties that they paid money to bring in. Jermaine Johnson's going to be playing with Carl Lawson, a free agent that they brought in, who's going to be playing next to Jonathan Franklin Myers, who they brought in from the Rams. The offense... Aside from Mackay Beckton and Elijah Vera Tucker, who are first round picks, there's Connor McGovern, who they brought in from Denver, and Tomlinson, who they paid from San Francisco, George Fant, who they paid to come in from Seattle, Corey Davis, the wide receiver, who they paid to come over from, from Tennessee, uh, CJ Uzama, who they paid to come from Cincinnati, Tyler Conklin, who they paid to come from Minnesota, who are all tight ends who are going to be playing with Jeremy Ruckert, who's a tight end that they drafted this year. The point is, it's all for nothing they don't have a team they don't have a coach they don't have a GM they don't have a structure all the stuff that we don't care about about the the way that you structure things the way that you run things I don't know what all goes into building a team but the point is the Packers do and the Jets don't and you can get all the picks and all the money and all the free agents and it means nothing nobody I just listed all that stuff and now if I ask you okay again Elijah Moore Garrett Wilson Denzel Mims Elijah Vera Tucker, Mackay Beckton, Zach Wilson, Brees Hall, who I forgot failed to mention, maybe the best running back in this draft class. Quinnen Williams, Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner. That's just the first and, six round, first and second round picks in the last couple years. Free agents, Corey Davis, George Fant, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, CJ Uzama, Carl Lawson, Jonathan Franklin Myers, CJ Mosley from Baltimore. Jordan Whitehead, LaMarcus Joyner, DJ Reed, Solomon Thomas. If I just list that to you and then ask you, okay, so they got all of that. They got all of that. And just as a fail-safe, heck, they got Joe Flacco ready to go. Tell me about this team. If I'd have told you two years ago about this this unit and then told you about the head coach that they brought in and said, tell me about this team. What are they going to do? You'd have a very different opinion, not knowing how poorly this is going to go than you do now. Part of the reason that I bring it up is because we look at it and go, yeah, but we don't have Devontae, so we're in trouble. Yeah, but we don't have this, so we're in trouble. Th- think about all these puzzle pieces that we talk about every single day. How is it the Chiefs have a good defense when I can't explain to you any good, I-, I can't point out any good players on that defense? How is it that the the Patriots always play so well when they don't have as many good players on paper as we do? It's not always just about the players. There's more to it than that. I wish it was just about players. I wish it was just like Madden, where it's just, if you get the most 90s on a team, you're probably going to be the best team. You're going to win the most games. That just isn't how it works. And even if you look at the Jets and say, well, they don't have any good players. Why, though? I read you that list. I'm not going to do it for a fourth time, but I read you that list. Why aren't they any good? You're telling me that if the Packers had gotten all those guys, that all of them would have just been failures. And the Packers are lucky that they didn't have all those early round picks because, God forbid, if we had had the first overall pick, we probably would have gotten Mackay back then and he would be horrible and everything would be a disaster. How about this for a theory? What if he wouldn't be horrible if he came here? What if his weight issue is somewhat of a culture issue? What if these guys are maybe weighed down by the fact that they're Jets and their team sucks? What if there's something about going to Green Bay and being told how great you are and the greatness of it and having a guy like Aaron Rodgers and talking about a standard? I'm sure the Jets talk about a standard, but does anybody buy it? We've got a standard of excellence here, and in the back of your mind, you're rolling your eyes. What excellence? When? Ever? But you go to Green Bay, and they start talking about excellence, and you've got the wins to to, to point to. One of the winningest head coaches, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history and you show up, and you you make one mistake, and everybody looks at you and says, that's not good enough, you keep that up, you will not play. As opposed to these other teams where you slack off, but because you're Makai Becton, because you are an early-round pick, you're going to play. What does that do? What happens? What does it matter? What are you going to do, cut me? (laughs) You've got nobody waiting in the wings. Look at the Packers' offensive linemen. You think anybody's safe? No chance. No chance is anybody safe. It's all about production. we got a third-round pick that is probably going to be sitting on the bench because our sixth-round pick is just better. We're not going to force him on the team. If you, if you can't play, you don't play. I mean, we've got first-round picks that sit on the bench because they're not ready. Sorry, not good enough. We're not desperate. We're not going to rush it. We're not going to give you that level of power and control to say, well, you're not really ready yet, but you're a first-round pick, so you better get out there, I guess. Or Brian Gutekunst is going to be shaking his finger at me. And we don't have an owner shaking his finger saying, hey, where's that guy we drafted? I want him out there. We invested so much in him. He's not doing that. It's up to the coaches to get these guys ready to play and the best guys go play. And if you don't meet the standard of excellence, you will not see the field, period. What are they talking about over in the in, in, for the Jets right now? They don't know what to do. Makai Becton is not trying. He doesn't care. He's overweight. He's not a very good football player. He's not figuring it out. But the GM, the front office is saying he needs to be out there. We invested a lot in him. Put him out there. So guess what? I bet he's going to be out there. And maybe he takes a step. Maybe he gets better. But but it, it just seems unlikely, even with the amount of raw talent that he has, because clearly he's not even willing to put in minimal effort. I mean, let's be completely honest, dude. What is he, 350 pounds and he can't cut weight? And he's a professional football player? He could eat 5,000 calories and probably lose 20 pounds this month. Now, to be clear, that doesn't elevate the Packers to the highest level. There are questions about the Packers as well, if I may take a side with the pessimists here for a moment. Because as I've been saying for years, the Packers have had on paper one of the best teams for, for the last three years. But they don't play like it. The level of talent on their offense is, is is better than just about any team that's out there, especially when you talk about all the bases being covered, from offensive line to quarterback to wide receiver to running back. You know, tight end is maybe the only deficiency, but again, look across the league. You know, we, we look at certain teams and just automatically assume, well, yeah, of course they're one of the greats, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we're good, but we're not like Buffalo good. Well, why? We have a better offensive line than Buffalo does. We have as good, if not better, tight ends than they have. We have as good, if not better, quarterback. We have a better running back room. The only thing that they have better, even maybe last year, was wide receiver. And not because anybody's even near Devontae Adams, but because they have two wide receivers that are basically top 10 wide receivers in Davis and Diggs. That's it. How is it that they can be that much better when they have basically the exact same level of talent across the board? What about the Chiefs? Everybody assumes the Chiefs are still going to be a really good offense. I don't know why. They have a decent offensive line. It's not perfect. They've got holes. The quarterback isn't as good. The wide receivers, I would say, are not as good. The running back is nowhere near as good. Offensive line is about on par, possibly a little bit better. And then they have a a much better tight end, and that's it. But nobody's talking about the the Chiefs' offense as though they're not going to be one of the top. But even if we want to go back to last year, what, what was so great about them last year? in comparison to the Packers' offense. And defense, I think, is even more so. Green Bay, according to DVOA, was ranked 22nd with Kenny Clark, with Rashawn Gary, with Preston Smith, with Devon, I mean, one of the best pass rushers in football. Preston Smith had a phenomenal year last year with a, a premier defensive tackle, with one of the best linebackers in football, with some really good corners, and with one of the best safeties in football. And you're telling me we're 22nd? What's the point? You know who had the number one defense? Buffalo. Tell me who on Buffalo is a really good football player. Tredavious White ranked 44th last year. Their linebackers ranked 19th and 61st. The best defensive lineman, I'm talking from edge to edge, was Ed Oliver, who ranked 23rd with a 71 overall grade. The only thing they have that's great is their safeties, in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, 5th and 12th. Probably the best safety duo in football, but they didn't have very good corners, linebackers, or defensive line. Adequate, at least along the defensive line, but that's it. Milano is a decent linebacker. He ranked 19th. But who has better defensive tackles? Packers. Who has better edge rushers? Packers. Who had better corners? Packers. Who had better linebackers? Packers. Only thing they had better was safeties, but they were number one. We were number 22. So it, 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 it's good and it's bad. But the point is, I don't care about on paper anymore. I just don't. On paper is is your ceiling and your floor. It's up to the coaching staff to make it all come together, to make it work, to put guys in the right position. There, there's no more excuses. There, there's, you know, I'm, I'm working on this article, and I think I'm just going to scrap it because I just, I'm, I'm struggling to come to a conclusion on it, but there is no ceiling. But it's not even just because of how, how, you know, good on paper they look. It's just, there's almost no ceiling for anybody. It's just about it all coming together. It just needs to come together. Buffalo has so many holes everywhere, but you know what? It all came together. There's no excuse. There's no reason why. But the, the 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 positive is that there's no ceiling. The negative is it doesn't matter if we fix everything. It doesn't matter if Savage takes a big step and and becomes great. And then we have Amos and Savage and Campbell and Walker are great and Stokes and Alexander are great and Smith and Gary and Clark and and uh, you know Wyatt are just all across the board great. Guess what? It's not gonna matter. Because that's pretty much what we had last year. We had two top 10 pass rushers, a top 10 defensive tackle. I'm kind of taking some liberties, 12th, 13th, whatever. But um, best linebacker in football. One of the best safeties in the past five years, hands down. We weren't even in the top half. We saw glimpses. And that again, that's the thing that gets me excited. But it has to come together this year. And I, I, I can't put numbers to that. And that's kind of the problem that I'm having is, Trying to come to any kind of conclusion, I can't. There, there are no numbers. It's just a matter of is it going to come together or not, and I don't know the answer to that. It's the second year of Joe Barry's system. Um, we know the system works. We know the players can play. We know we've got the guys, the DBs, with Amos. We've seen it with Savage when he had his second year under Patton. Maybe a second year here. We know Stokes has got some promise. We've seen it with Razul We've seen it with Gary. We've seen it with Smith. We've seen it with Clark. We've seen it with Campbell. We've got some more defensive pieces. It just has to come together. And I don't have a crystal ball for that. I don't don't know what it takes for things to come together. I mean, one of the biggest negatives that I've seen when I'm trying to find parallels is generally when a team takes a big step, it's in the first year. We talk a lot about second year, but almost every time you see a team take a big leap, it's the first year of a new system. And then it kind of tapers off a little bit. There's, There's sort of that initial first year boom kind of thing that takes place. Packers didn't have that doesn't mean they can't take a second year leap and some of these guys just kind of understand more fundamentally what they're supposed to be doing but again there's there's no template for this there's there's two parts of the equation there's the players and then there's just the 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 melding there's just guys understanding their jobs and knowing what to do and doing it really really well the coaching staff putting guys in the right position calling the right plays at the right time that's the part i I can't i can't tell you it's just a you'll know it when you see it kind of thing so anyways, Makai Beckton is struggling out there. <laughs> in other bad news for a team, the Chicago Bears had another player arrested. This is the third time in less than three months a recent addition to the Bears roster has been arrested. This time it is wide receiver David Moore arrested for drugs and weapons. He did actually spend some time as a Green Bay Packer last year kind of bouncing around, but uh, Bears picked him up this year and down he goes. Um, Byron Pringle was arrested for reckless driving and uh, Matt Adams was arrested for misdemeanor gun charge. So this is the third. All three recent additions by new Bears GM Ryan Poles. So not going to necessarily blame him for that, but you know, not a not a super stellar start, I guess. Also not great for maybe the worst wide receiver unit in football to lose two wide receivers. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. They may still end up playing or being on the team or whatever, but you know, not great. Finally, on the uh, NFL news front, uh, the Madden grades apparently are going to be announced on July 18th. It's usually a um, a really dark time because, again, it really just points to how desperate people are for any kind of news. But I'll be honest, I'm I'm a little excited about it this year. Maybe it's just because things are so slow and so bad, but I'm, it's always fun to have somebody to just tear into. And Madden just does a really terrible job of this. And, and granted, I, I always look at it and say, you know, it's it's a tough job and, you know, I, you can't just sit here and look at PFF, although I think they would do much better if they did. But they do some things that are just so absolutely awful and I'm kind of just looking forward to, uh, you know, I think most people look forward to Madden grades because they want to see, like, their guy. Like, I want to see Aaron Rodgers with a 99. I want to see Rashawn get this or that or whatever. You know, everybody's excited about their guy getting good stuff. I want to see the stupidity. I'm that guy who watches American Idol to watch the, the bad singers. I actually don't anymore, but I'm just saying, I, I, I that's that's kind of what, what I'm looking for. So, ten more days and we'll have some horrific Madden grades that we can all tear into and get upset about and whatnot. And I, I, listen, I'm I'm really not going to be... It doesn't mean anything. It has no impact on the actual players and how well they did and all that kind of stuff, but th- there is somewhat of a, a narrative aspect to it, you know? It's sort of like confirmation bias. So if... if Rashawn gary doesn't get his just due which he probably won't it hurts our cause of trying to convince everybody that he's really good which we shouldn't care that much about but you know bears fans vikings fans whatever when when we're having our little tizzy fits and they're trying to tell us that Rashawn isn't that good and we're we're just biased packer fans and then you get them coming out and being like yeah he's not that good I mean, he's good, but, you know, <laughs> give him, like, an 84 overall grade or whatever. I don't even know what necessarily is good, but something like that. And you just feel like we're losing ground, you know? Which, again, doesn't matter because he is good, and that's all that matters. Like, what he does on the field is really all that matters. Vikings fans can talk all they want, but when Rashawn Gary is drilling their quarterback into the dirt, Madden grades aren't going to save them. But, anyways, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break here? Again, if you're planning on... um advertising your business or event this is a great place to do it just send me a message say hey here's my budget what can you do and we'll make it work for you again you can reach out the pack daddy 86 at gmail.com if you want to reach out otherwise patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you just like to support the podcast uh really 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 appreciate all the support thank you very much to craig for jumping in on patreon we're uh we kind of purged a lot. I, I had mentioned that once we started Drew's campaign that I wasn't going to pitch uh, Patreon anymore until we got him his dog. We got him the dog. Um, we're we're shooting for 300 patrons. That was my hope before the end of the season or end of the year or whatever. It's hoping we can get to 300. Uh, we got down to like 230, so we've got a long way to go. I'm kind of hoping we can kind of push back to 300. See if I can reel back some more people. So again, you can support for as little as a dollar a month, and it really, really means a lot to me if you can. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I hate to come back on the other side of the break and continue on with what we were doing, but I opened up this this article because I saw it this morning, um, but I didn't add it to my notes, so I forgot to mention it on the other side of the break. So we'll do it briefly. And it is Packers relevant, although it's uh, not directly a Packers thing. The San Francisco 49ers may be in a bit of trouble. Here's the headline to the article. Colin Coward and Mike Silver say the 49ers are worried about Trey Lance. Just a couple quotes here. Here is what Colin Coward said about Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the new quarterback of the 49ers. And again, early round pick. This is the guy that's going to save the franchise, or not save it, but you know, he's going to be the the future. Jimmy Garoppolo has always been somewhat of a mediocre quarterback. If we can elevate that, we're going to be a heck of a, heck of a franchise. That's obviously not how that panned out last year. Question is, what's it going to be going forward? Same with, you know, Wilson and Fields and all those guys, Trevor Lawrence Here's what Coward said. He said, you and I may have the same source, we may not, but I've said when I saw Trey Lance play aesthetically, it's ugly. It's not Philip Rivers ugly, but it's not a pretty delivery. It's really rough. Secondly, what you're saying is what I'm hearing. They're rebuilding his delivery and he gets arm fatigue. It's not an easy throw. He needs days off and they're worried about his accuracy. You and I are hearing the same things. By the way, this is written by Grant Cohn, which is just kind of funny. Every time I see him, I'm going to chuckle because this is the guy that's basically being threatened by 49ers football players because they hate him so much. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, here's what Silver had to say. The arm fatigue is a really interesting thing, and I've heard that too. And so people don't think that this is just the two of us doing our conspiracy theories... Let's just look at some facts last year they were going to use Trey, the Trey Lance package. they were thrilled about it. that was going to be a big big weapon for them. They started out doing it and then they just stopped. So something happened to convince Kyle Shanahan that he didn't gain by putting Lance in situationally. Another thing that happened is we're seeing uh, is happened is that they were three and five I went to the game that dropped them to three and five at home against the Cardinals they looked flat they looked done their playmakers weren't making plays. they looked like a dead team. Usually when you look like a dead team and you're traded three first round picks for a promising rookie the spring before, we know what happens. Jimmy, you're on the bench. Trey, let's see. They hung with Jimmy. They beat the Rams. They got well. They made the run. So the fact that they stopped using Lance at all and they didn't put him in when the season was cross season was crossed up, whatever that means, tells me that they were seeing something that was concerning. So again, same thing, except the 49ers are more like a Packers team. They get gave everything for Trey Lance but they're not just going to put him on the field just to put him on the field they tried to kind of find a way to you know it's not working so he's not our quarterback but maybe we'll do some packages because the dude he's got wheels he's you know we can do some fun stuff with him we can get creative I'm Kyle freaking Shanahan I can come up with some stuff point is the team got worse every time he stepped foot on the field so they just stopped using that package So, bottom line, without getting too far into it, this is fantastic news for us. The 49ers are a major rival for the Green Bay Packers, even if they're not in our division. We understand this totally and completely. I'm sick of the 49ers. To be quite quite frank with you, I absolutely hate the 49ers. So, I'm excited. They're trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's he's basically hanging on by a thread. They all but had him out the door, but now they're to the point where I don't think they can let him go because they don't have a quarterback. This is wonderful news. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe this is all nonsense. He's looking great and he's going to come out and just tear it up. But that seems unlikely. They wanted him on the field badly last year and they just couldn't put him on the field because he's just not good. That's not really conducive to, you know, you don't generally learn to be a quarterback through osmosis, right? It's not just by watching it on TV or by being in the in the facility or whatever. You're slowly gaining all this this experience if you want to look at guys that are probably going to take a jump look at the guys that played a full year lance hasn't even played yet i mean in any substantial way fields wilson trevor lawrence these guys they played and so you know the second year leap is much more likely than trey lance anyways couple quick hitters just to kind of clear some stuff off the docket here uh i saw a note that um listed players with the least amount of receiving yards a fun little trivia question go ahead and pause it and tell me who you think had the least amount of receiving yards this season and it's it's probably a little tricky because you're thinking i can think of like 95 people that had zero yards so i don't know what you're talking about is zero the smallest number you can come up with Huh? pause it and get back to me the least receiving yards in the entire season is a green bay packer by the name of aaron Rodgers with negative four receiving yards <laughs> probably a batted pass he caught and got tackled or whatever, but I thought that was kind of funny. Literally the worst receiver in the league. I don't know how the guy won a freaking MVP. He's just he's just garbage. And we paid him to stay here? Unbelievable. Uh, Christian Watson uh, is currently plus 800 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Don't really have a comment on that other than just keeping tabs on it. Again, I do think that number is going to continue to go up as these quarterbacks continue to falter. That's, that's sort of the default is quarterback is probably going to win offensive rookie of the year after that is probably wide receiver the fact that there are no capable quarterbacks in fact um another note that i forgot about that i guess isn't super important but my guy matt corral who is a carolina panther says it's uh, unlikely he'll see regular season snaps this season well after they just picked up baker mayfield i would assume so by the way we should just go get matt corral because he's going to be a freak and i'm just i'm never going to let that go rest of the NFL is just wrong about him that's all I know in fact the the Panthers if they were smart they would just play him over Baker wouldn't have even got Baker we don't even need him you got Matt Corral but anyways um all the quarterbacks are just hot garbage and none of them are going to play I haven't even seen any of them that are like second team right now (laughs) they're like third string quarterbacks it's uh it's pretty brutal so that that from there defaults to the wide receivers and I you know Christian Watson's not going to be anybody's favorite probably um, including even my own, but um, he, he does have, as I've said, really good odds in comparison to what we're used to as Packer fans. Usually, offensive, defensive rookie of the year, just it's not a Packer thing. It just isn't. Uh, some more kind of old news, Brett Favre had chimed in about Aaron Rodgers and um, basically had somewhat of a biased take not only because you know he's biased in favor of the Packers but biased in favor of of the quarterback perspective and just Rodgers who he considers a friend at this point but kind of talking about Rodgers potential decline without Devontae Adams or Devontae Adams ability to succeed outside without Rodgers his take was Rodgers will not see much of a decline Devontae is very unlikely to succeed um you know outside of outside of Green Bay well I looked into it, as I as I have with you know Aaron Rodgers and everything else. And again, I, I don't see much of a decline uh, with other receivers, with quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. But I also was kind of surprised to see that the wide receivers that leave didn't have much of a decline, which I guess shouldn't be that surprising. Good wide receivers are good wide receivers. Again, you got guys like A.J. Green and Calvin Johnson, and some of the best receivers in football were not on good teams. Right, Andre Johnson with the Texans. I mean, that's not a good football team ever. The guy's a freak. And so I don't want to really go through everybody. I I found a bunch of guys. I mean, you, you know, you got guys like Stephon Diggs and you say, okay, well, he went over to Buffalo with, you know, so obviously he's going to blow up because he went to a better quarterback. Fine. But the point is, I, I really struggled to find anybody, even if they didn't get better, it's hard to find anybody that got significantly worse. Um, Brandon Cooks, he's bounced around from team to team to team. If you look at his yards, it's been just kind of consistent. I mean, tell me when he switched teams. And I'm going to skip the um, seasons that he was hurt. 1,138, 1,173, 1,082, 1,204, 1,150, 1,037. I mean, that is shockingly consistent. He played for four teams. Can you tell me when he switched from team to team? When he went from New Orleans to New England, he went from 1,173 to 1,082. When he went from New England to LA, from Tom Brady to, I don't know who the quarterback was in 2018. Was it, Jer- it had to be Jared Goff, right? When he went from Tom Brady to Jared Goff, he went from 1,082 yards to 1,204 yards. From a yardage standpoint, it was his best year ever. His first year with a worse quarterback. Well, it's a better system. Okay, well, whatever. Then he went to Houston in 2020, 1,150 yards. Houston last year, 1,037 yards. Houston, is trash. Houston does not have a quarterback. He wasn't hurt by it. He had six touchdowns both years with Houston. He had five when he was with the Rams. Seven in New England. Eight, nine, and three with New Orleans. Eight and nine, we'll skip the three, skipping the injury here. So slightly more touchdowns with New Orleans, but wildly consistent again. Five, six, six, seven, eight, nine. It seems like, to me, the yardage and the touchdowns and the general production has more to do with the receiver than what team and what quarterback he's on. But that's just based on Brandon Cooks. Okay, fair enough. How about Deshaun Jackson? Longtime Philadelphia Eagle. The last year with Philadelphia had 1,332 yards and nine touchdowns. The very next year with Washington, his first year there, again, not a good football team no familiarity with, with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun has no familiarity with Washington. I mean, there was some familiarity because of the rivals, but in terms of actually playing on their team, 1,169 yards and six touchdowns. He led the league in yards per reception that year. He's bounced around a ton since then, and the numbers are all over the place because he's constantly injured. He's only playing, you know, 15, 14, 12, 3, 5, you know, he's he's again his numbers are all over the place. Plus, as he's getting older, I mean, we're talking 33, 34, 35 years old. He's not playing as much. Even when he's even when he's playing, he's not you know getting the opportunities. And th- the point is though, th- there just there wasn't this massive drop up. It went down, but again, not not anything substantial from 1,300 to 11. It was less than 200. It was like 150 yards less going from Philly to Washington. How about Golden Tate, longtime Seattle Seahawk? Playing with Russell Wilson in uh, in 2013, 898 yards and five touchdowns. The next year, he goes to Detroit, plays with Matthew Stafford, 1,331 yards and four touchdowns. Worst team, worst scheme, worst, worst quarterback. Yeah, but it's more high volume. Okay, well, who has more passing attempts, the Packers or the Raiders? It's the Raiders. So if it's just about volume, then he's I guess he's going to get better. Don't start talking about volume when you've never talked about volume before. It was all about how good Aaron Rodgers is. You want to talk about volume, then he just went to a better team. He went back to 800 yards and six touchdowns, but then bounced back again to 1,000, and then the next year 1,000. I mean, it's, it's similar, but if anything, better. And again, I'm, I'm not even looking for better necessarily. I'm just proving the point that I can't find a situation where a guy leaves and everything just falls apart for the wide receiver. I haven't looked at every wide receiver in the world, but I did go through every single wide receiver that I could find. I didn't find one. The best example I found of this, the, the, the most prominent, the most, the most similar, and I would say even much more extreme than the situation Devontae's is going through, is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, and you can say whatever you want about Deshaun Watson as a human being, as a football player, it's hard to find a guy that was playing better than Deshaun. I mean, you're talking about one of the, one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. 1,165 yards and seven touchdowns is what he had in Houston. The year before that, 1,572 yards and 11 touchdowns. This is what he was doing in Houston. In 2020, he goes to Arizona with Kyler Murray, who is not in any way a good quarterback. He's just not at all. Really, really bad. Not only that, but the scheme is that which, first of all, there are more talented wide receivers and they use more receivers, so the usage should plummet. He went from 1,165 yards up to 1,407 yards and six touchdowns. He had 250 more yards and one less touchdown. He's not playing for a worse team, but he's absolutely playing for a worse quarterback. No change. It's basically what he had in 2017 and 2018 with Deshaun Watson. 1,378 yards, 1,572 yards, with Arizona 1,407 yards. He wasn't hurt by it. You know why? because it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It matters how good you are. This this concept of the wide receiver making the quarterback or the quarterback making the wide receiver has always been so fake and silly. It's ridiculous. I've I've been more or less saying this for a long time. The idea that a, a receiver is going to come here and they're going to revive their career because of Aaron Rodgers is nonsense. Bad receivers are bad receivers. Good receivers are good receivers. That's the reality. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to make or break anybody. Devontae is great because Devontae is great. It's not because of Aaron Rodgers. There's probably going to be a, some higher completion rates because of good throws, as opposed to you know a handful that might have been might have been off target by some other uh, quarterbacks or whatever. But generally speaking, Devante was not made by Aaron Rodgers, nor was Rodgers made by Devante. And we we see this in Green Bay. There are a ton of guys that aren't producing. Why? I thought Aaron Rodgers made everybody great. Of course not. And again, look at some of the greatest wide receivers in history. They weren't even on good football teams. It's not as though you can't find them. Imagine how good they were. You know, there's all these great receivers that we never knew because they played on bad teams. Never. Never. Great receivers are great receivers. Doesn't matter if if you're A.J. Green playing with Andy Dalton. You know what? You're one of the premier receivers, period. Justin Jefferson didn't come into the league and blow up because he plays with Kirk Cousins. It doesn't matter what team he would have gone to. He's Justin Jefferson. That's it. amon Ross St. Brown blew up second half of the season. I don't know how great he's going to be, but the point is it has nothing to do with Jared Goff. Hunter Renfro being this kind of nobody wide receiver that kind of blew up in Las Vegas. It's not because of Carr. It just is what it is. Jalen Waddell out in Miami has nothing to do with Tua. And so Devontae leaving isn't necessarily going to hurt Aaron Rodgers. It might hurt the offense in terms of their ability to compensate, But Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, and guess what? Sorry, Brett Favre, but Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams. Now, I'm still expecting regression from him anyways because I've been expecting it for the last two to three years. But guess what? I'm sorry to tell you he's still Devontae Adams. Just like DeAndre Hopkins is still DeAndre Hopkins, even if he goes to this garbage offense out in Arizona. Still DeAndre Hopkins. Anyways, I'm gonna end today by um, I mentioned I'm gonna start doing a lot better job on Patreon. Um, I went back and started cleaning stuff up, looking at old messages that I haven't found, and so um, I'm gonna read through some of them. Some of them aren't gonna make a lot of sense because they're from a very long time ago, but um, you guys are patrons, and so uh, you're you're you will be heard. Jacob says, "Got a quick question for you." Maybe I'm just being paranoid because so many players come back from ACL injuries so fast nowadays, but is there a chance David Bakhtiari's injury could be a career-altering ending injury? Have we covered it? Yes. But again, we're going to talk about it very briefly because the answer is yes. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Everybody's saying just relax. It's going to be fine, whatever. But I'm I'm just, I'm nervous and I, I, I just don't believe anything until I see it. Um, I think a lot of things aren't necessarily making sense based on what we're being told. Which again, what we're being told is, it's fine, man, just chill, it's all good. But I'm just not getting that vibe based on the way that they're treating it. And and, and again, I think the the way to rationalize this in a positive sense is they're just being as cautious as they possibly can. He doesn't need the work, and so we're not going to put him on his feet out there on the field until we absolutely have to, just to be 155,000% sure. You know, there, there's a 0.00001% chance that it's only 99.9999999999991 healed. And because there's that 0. 0.00000009, I guess, <laughs> per, you know, percent of them that's not healed, maybe that gets re-injured. And so we were so close, but we just couldn't quite get there. And so we're just going to just make double, triple, quadruple sure by not putting them on the field. But I just, I think it's weird. I think it's weird to to treat him like that if everything is fine. Especially when the head coach says, we're hopeful he'll be able to participate in in the upcoming training camps. Yeah, so are we. Um, Steve says, I'm a member with you However, every once in a while. I have a little extra cash laying around. Can you set up a tier for a one-time donation? Maybe you can... Uh, Rake in a little of our spare cash laying around. Thanks for all you do. Never miss an episode. Looking forward to draft coverage coming up. That's how old this is. Um, I will try. I've heard about that on Patreon one-time donation things. I've never seen it. I think the best way for now until I can figure that out. I've looked into it. It looks like the only way to do that is to do a monthly donation of your choice and then cancel it immediately after. Um, But if you're not into that, there's also PayPal. So thepackdaddy86 at gmail.com. just use that love the question by the way (laughs) a question from luke says i know the answer is we'll see but do you have a feeling amari rogers pans out the answer is we'll see but unfortunately i i if if you're telling me to slap money down on the table right now i have a feeling he does not pan out um that's not super anti amari or based on anything he's done again what i've seen as a non-scout who has no idea what he's looking at when he watches um players run routes and stuff I really like I am excited about him I thought he looked really good I thought he played really well I mean he he had some mistakes some mental lapses it happens and you know especially when it happens in small sample sizes it looks even worse but the only reason I say that I have, I have that opinion is because first of all most guys don't pan out second of all third round picks never pan out which I know is more superstition than anything but it's still a thing and third of all we've seen him for a year he couldn't get on the field and when he did he didn't produce at a high enough level Um, and in fact, especially when you include special teams, it was a very low, unimpressive level. So there's, there's plenty of reason for optimism and to believe that he'll continue to grow. And when he does, he can have a really fun and exciting and, uh, as a contributor to do some cool stuff, you know, especially as a bigger guy, which is what the Packers want to do. You get the ball in his hands. He's basically a running back in the slot. I mean, you you just start thinking through it, and it can get exciting. You know, the the end-around stuff, or even just wide receiver screens, just bulldozing people. I mean, he's the A.J. Dillon of the wide receiver room. But again, I just think the odds are more in the favor of it not panning out. Uh, Finally, Austin says, and again, some of this is, you know, we're we're, we're kind of past it, but I have a fun topic I think you'd enjoy to run with on the podcast. I feel very confident in the fact the Packers won't win another Super Bowl with Rodgers. If not 2014, 16, 20, or 21, what team will win it all? I have a hard time believing they will do it with him. It sucks, but I firmly believe that. They continue going to the playoffs and being great for what? Nothing. It gets super old. By the way, just to just pause here for a second. I know this sounds super negative. A lot of these are from shortly after the Super Bowl. <laughs> so people were a little raw. It gets super old as a Packer fan to have expectations to win the Super Bowl with a Super Bowl roster and completely, you know what, the bed. Time and time again, it's exhausting. I know you're extremely positive and intelligent, but I know you got to feel what I'm saying at least a little bit also let's let's just stop there because this is very long and he's going into also so we're getting into kind of part two here and i i couldn't quite tie in what the first part and the second part have to do with each other so let's just talk about the first part um it kind of ties into what i was talking about about the on paper stuff that's part of what makes it so painful on paper this this is a super bowl roster on paper it's a better team than any other team based on their regular season record it's a better team than just about any other team based on constantly going to the playoffs it's a better team based on quarterback which is the most important position better team than any other team. All these things point to us being the right team. We are the, the, the team that should win the Super Bowl and yet we don't. So of course I feel the frustration. As far as the first part about we can't win with Rodgers, I kind of understand what you're saying but we, we got to dig deeper and the problem is when we dig deeper I can't find anything that makes sense with that. We, we have to get to the point where we say Rodgers is the problem and here's how and I can't get there. Granted this past year Rodgers was a serious problem. Um and, and I think you can draw a parallel. The, the, the issue is is kind of twofold. Number one, there have been plenty of instances where Rodgers was the only guy doing anything right and everybody else was was just trash. Number two is, it's going to be hard to find somebody better because whatever flaws you can paint are going to be flaws that most quarterbacks are going to have. But the, the, the only thing that I can see is Rodgers is uniquely bad um, even compared to other quarterbacks, not even just great quarterbacks, but anybody, when we're talking about pressure, he just struggles. I don't know what it is. When, when his mind starts to go, when he starts to panic, um, it, it just gets really ugly. And the problem is when you get into the playoffs, you're going up against the best of the best. And and the odds of getting through the playoffs without going up against a dominant defensive line that's going to be in your face, it's low, right? That's where those teams live. That's where the Aaron Donalds are. That's where the, the 49ers are. That's where Tampa Bay is. That's where these stifling defenses that suffocate you live. And and Rodgers, when... when He gets frustrated, whether it's pressure or just there's receivers aren't getting open. There's not that next gear to say we're going to power through. That's what makes Tom Brady so great is he doesn't get flustered. Well, I guess he does. He gets angry, but it's a different kind of angry. It's like he gets hyper-focused. When things aren't going well, he just keeps coming and keeps coming. and But With Rodgers, you feel like you've got about a quarter. And if it doesn't work in a quarter, things just start to slowly devolve over more and more and more. And, 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 And I think maybe a further case to be made... Um, is when you look at the, the rest of the team kind of falling apart, is that as Rodgers goes, so goes the team. When Rodgers' attitude declines, the team's attitude declines. When when his effort declines, the team's effort declines. And I wish it wasn't that way, but it clearly is. He is the leader of this team. And they are so emotionally and physically tied to him. It's insane. I wish it wasn't. I wish they could each player have their own identity and go out and just dominate. But when Rodgers is struggling, the team struggles. Now, the, the positive is, I, I think a big part of it was an over-reliance on Devontae. When he gets scared, he wants to rely... You know, he, he doesn't want to throw to Lazard. You know, even though he likes Lazard, but, he, you know, MVS, Lazard, and he, he doesn't want it. He wants Devontae. And that was one of the big issues last time, is he got so flustered. And and part of it is, is overconfidence, too. On, on one hand, it seems like a lack of confidence. On the other hand, it seems like overconfidence. When things aren't going well, you know what... I'm, I'm, I'm not trusting this offensive line. I'm not trusting my running backs. I'm not trusting anybody but me and Devontae. And so he trusts his arm to throw into triple coverage to Devontae Adams to be able, you know, I, I trust me and Devontae in triple coverage over a wide open Alan Lazard. In fact, I'm not even going to pull my eyes off of him when, you know, common sense should tell you if there's three guys on Devontae, somebody's open, right? But no, his mind goes to, I can make it work. And so that that is somewhat of a fatal flaw. Again, it's not all his fault, and there there are some issues where, again, a lot of quarterbacks are going to struggle when things aren't going well, when you can't get guys open, when you are constantly under pressure. Everybody's going to struggle under that, and finding a guy that can do um, to to that can do that, but also can do what Rodgers can do when things are going well, it's just it's going to be hard to find. And so there has to be an element of we can't just say replace Rogers and everything will get better. Clearly, that's not the case but maybe there is something to it. And I I, I think the positive, if we're going to draw one for this coming year, is is maybe that getting rid of Devontae is what needs to happen. Rodgers is not the problem from a talent standpoint, but Rodgers does have this seemingly fatal flaw. And I do think by removing Devontae, it, it helps in that one area. Even if that hurts us overall, it might help us get over that particular hump because he doesn't have that fail safe. He has to just embrace the fear. There is no failsafe. There is no, you know, I, I I don't trust anybody, so I have to go to Devontae. I'm I'm so scared I'm going to Devontae. He has to just embrace the fear and trust the scheme. He can't trust himself. He can't trust Devonte. It's not about this superhero nonsense, which has always been the Packers' fatal flaw. That was that was always our issue with, with Mike McCarthy in this offense where it was just raw power. It's best quarterback, best wide receiver against the world. And and we're just gonna we're just gonna throw it up, right? Third and third and one game's on the line we're going to throw a 20-yard bomb to Jordy Nelson why I have no earthly idea why don't you just run the freaking ball I don't know but we're not going to because I've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback it's 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 not about superstars and we got to get away from that that idea and that's that is I think the fatal flaw of having superstars is you treat them like superstars we need to get back to the point where this is just an offense and we need to operate the offense the way it's meant to be off uh, to, to be run. And the benefit is when you just run it normally and you happen to have superstars, it runs better. You know, you, you can run this with Jimmy Garoppolo and mediocre running backs and decent wide receivers. But if you replace the mediocre Jimmy Garoppolo with Aaron Rodgers, but don't, you know, go into superstar mode, just keep running the boring, straightforward offense and it really starts to thrive. When you run this offense with, let's just say, a mediocre offensive line, but replace the decent tackle with David Bakhtiari, replace the other decent tackle with Elton Jenkins, replace these pieces with really good offensive line, but just do your job, and then replace those average running backs with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, things really start to thrive. Things really start to boom, but stop going into superstar mode. When we detach from just this boring regular old offense with the boring regular old plays that we call and that we run methodically and systematically and go into we can do more because we have more we can we can really get to these levels because we got Aaron freaking Rogers man we, we've got AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and we've got these guys forget that run the 49ers offense pretend you have Jimmy Garoppolo Right? Pretend you're the Bears. We got Justin Fields, and we got this, and we've got we we've got nobody. Run it as though you have a bunch of incompetent football players. Because that's really what I said about Aaron Rodgers all along. If he can trust the scheme, if he can just rely on it, we're going to get an MVP performance, and we have two years in a row. But when things devolve is when we get into superstar mode. We got to stop that. And, and again, the problem is, and I think this is where the the playoffs start to devolve, is that's when superstar mode arrives. Because the superstars think, I got to put this team on my back. I got to be the one to do it, because now we really got to hit the gas. I can't trust Matt LaFleur to just call some good plays. I, I can't just run some stupid, silly offense and just flip the ball on these dumb wide receiver screens and all this nonsense. But all the superstars think they need to be superstars, and they forget that this is a team sport. Forget all that stuff. Forget about the opponent. Forget about the playoffs. Just go play football. Just go do what you've done all year to get you to 13 wins. I mean, there there has to be something more to this to, to make us worse in the playoffs. And it's not just enough to say, well, it's because it's better teams. Of course it's better teams, but we beat better teams in the regular season. We don't in the playoffs though. And the biggest difference I think is superstar mode. Those guys show up and they play team football and they devour the Green Bay Packers who are trying to be a bunch of individuals making big plays, especially Aaron Rodgers. He's the biggest He's his, he's, he's his own worst enemy because he knows how good he is. And he needs to forget that. He needs to let that go. Because superstar Aaron Rodgers is never going to win us a Super, Super Bowl. You're right about that, Austin. Never going to win a Super Bowl with superstar Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers, ironically enough, is not a superstar when he's in superstar mode. He's a superstar when he's in just playing normal football, run the offense, pretend you're Jimmy Garoppolo mode. That's when this offense is just efficient. And when he's efficient... When he's completing passes and they're moving the ball down the field, it's boring, but it's methodical. You get the yards, you get the touchdowns, you get all the stuff, and all of a sudden, look how great Aaron Rodgers is, even though he didn't really do anything great. And the, the funny thing about that is it, it, it builds. You start working through the offense, you're methodical, you're going down the field, that's when confidence comes in, that's when all of a sudden things get easier, that's when this offense is unstoppable. Anyways, he goes on to say, I really, really wonder if the front office looks at Rodgers with a contract that are team-friendly, where they say, hey man, this season came up as a disappointment. We're just as disappointed as you are. We know how much fun you've had this year and letting you go. Uh, Get to have this fun and do basically what you want, but how about this? How about we give you a contract where your cap is much, much lower than uh, it is now. We extend you, and with you helping our cap, we'll let you discuss some possible free agents and players in the draft you also like to play with. Anyways, I wanted to read that because, again, this is obviously before his contract, and it's pretty much what happened, right? They extended him, they dramatically lowered his cap hit, and um, they did go out and get free agents like Christian Watson that he would like, as well as defensive pieces I'm sure he likes, but also offensive linemen, and then free agents on top of that. Granted, it was mostly just re-signing our own guys, but we did go out and get Sammy Watkins, as well as re-signing a bunch of guys that obviously he likes. I mean, we, we retained Alan Lazard and you know Robert Tunyon and some other guys that could have possibly been gone. Goes on to say, you think you got to think this is an option they're considering, right? And if they offer him something like this, there's no way he's he declines. Anyways, I figured you would like this, and I would love to hear what you have to say. Thanks. So Austin, very sorry for taking um, months to get to this. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I think it was just because there were like 50 messages, and it just got to be overwhelming, and I never knew when a new one showed up because there's just that thing showing you a number, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of messages over there. But I got it all cleaned up, and I'm checking it like hourly. So anytime you send a message, I'm going to see it. But um, anyways, I guess that's it. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.